Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Uh, welcome to the Wednesday night American Liberties call. Uh, tonight again, we have uh, Dave, Dave Maryland, who wrote the, he, he originated the argument on Section 83, the only one out there that I know discussing it. And I mean, the, 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 the government surely isn't discussing it, and the courts are not discussing it. They, they won't even give their interpretation. And with that being said, this was all addressed in the original criminal complaint that was sent to Congress back in 2005, and which I joined it in 2006 and went in front of a grand jury using this as my evidence that I, don't, I feel that I'm not obligated to the tax code for these various reasons. I might be in part a taxpayer, but in, 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 in other parts, I'm not. And here is what I'm addressing. And they refuse to respond. They've refused to answer. And I've never seen anything like it from the time that a guy named uh, Walden went to court. He asked the simple questions that were in the criminal complaint. And the government asked for a protective order from having to answer the questions. I mean, it would have been done deal. I mean, the case would have been closed. Jim would have won, and everything would have been fine. Excuse me, fine. But no, the government wanted a protective order from having to answer the questions. Well, today we're involved in a in a uh, a, court, a lawsuit in. Uh, South Dakota, and and uh, I'd like to have Dave explain a little bit about it, if he will, but he addresses the same arguments. He he come to a conclusion, uh, you know, how how the tax code does and does not apply on uh, a couple different arguments. I'm not named in the statutes in Section 83, and all the government can answer. I mean, I'm just going to read the first paragraph, okay? I mean, Dave gave a, a, a preponderance of evidence of proof of of proof of um, of claim. Uh, what is it? Uh, proof of uh, what is it? Offer Dave? of proof. Offer of proof. Okay. How how he relies on this on this gentleman and me and and some others how we rely on the tax code to protect us and all they can say is that the plaintiff claims that he is not subject to the internal revenue laws that his income is not subject to taxation i mean that's that's their answer in the bottom bottom line that is their stupid answer they they refuse to address the line items of what needs to be addressed. 
And so I'm going to turn this over to Dave and let him talk about it because he can articulate it a heck of a lot better than I can. Dave, tell us. Uh, yeah, it's nothing new. When uh, I wrote the lawsuit, when I was first contacted about uh, the possibility of being indicted, uh, this particular gentleman, he was receiving correspondence from the IRS uh, Criminal Investigations Division. And I told him what I could do. You know, we'll go into court. They can't deny a thing. And uh, they uh, will not interpret the law. They refuse. And um, they the court will not maintain the lawsuit, it'll be dismissed, and the most you'll get out of it is the right to say that uh, you sue the government for proof that the tax code applies to Americans and they can't debate you on three or four or five statutes. That's all I said going into this. And now uh, we've come full circle with the pleadings and we're waiting to see if the court will let the lawsuit uh uh, if they'll sustain the lawsuit. And when you read the language of uh, 5 U.S.C. 706, you see that the reviewing court shall uh, interpret all provisions of law and determine if the action is arbitrary, capricious, uh, not in accordance with law, all this glorious crap. And yet, when it comes to the tax code, you can't have review. The government said, all this is frivolous. Why don't you just dismiss this lawsuit and didn't mention any of the provisions relied upon in the lawsuit. And we're asking for very particular things. Uh, Section 1 of the tax code that imposes the graduated income tax and capital gains doesn't even mention anybody's citizenship, but Regulation 1.1-1 mentions citizen of the United States as liable for the tax. That regulation deviates from statute. They can't even talk about it. And we're asking the court to declare that the regulation deviates from statute. That's a, a pretty technical argument but it's perfectly within uh, American jurisprudence. You have plenty of case law about regulations that deviate from statute. And one of the cases cited is uh, Aker versus Commissioner. Give me a second here. I'm going to actually... Uh, uh, let's see. I think that's on... Um, the home page or on the uh, federal income taxation page of WeVGov. I'm going there now. Federal income taxation. I'm looking for uh, Acre versus Commissioner. Oh, here we have. Uh, United States versus Calamaro. 
as you go to the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com, uh, scroll down to the line that says number two, tax code chapter one identifies Americans as subject only in regulation. And the first indented quote, finally, the government points to the fact that the treasury regulations relating to the statute purport to include the pickup man among those subject to section 3290 and argues, A, that this constitutes an administrative interpretation to which we should give weight in construing the statute, particularly because, uh, B, Section 3290 was carried over uh, into 4411 in the Internal Revenue Code of 54. We find neither argument persuasive. In light of the above discussion, we cannot but regard this Treasury regulation as no more than an attempted addition to the statute of something which is not there. As such, the regulation can furnish no sustenance to the statute. So in U.S. versus Calamaro, it's plenty up for game whether or not the language of the section supports the regulation that was written. And uh, let's see. I guess I don't cite Commissioner or Acre versus Commissioner on this page, but it says basically the same thing: the regulation can't deviate from statute. So the challenge is perfectly within the review that we've requested, and uh, the court was reminded that the IRS doesn't even train on Section 83A, that despite 20 years plus of challenges under Section 83, the only decision on it is Talmadge versus Commissioner. And Talmadge versus Commissioner in 1995, the decision was in 96, it shows that they simply exclude labor. They do it without support of the law. The law does not say that labor is not cost. The law says all property is cost, any property. And as you see on the bottom quarter of the federal income taxation page on section 83, the courts, I've got an entire annotation here, uh, the term any, let's see. I'm like in the bottom fifth of the federal income taxation page on wevgov.com. Blue, number three, when the law says any or any property, it's construed as all-inclusive. And you look and there's just case after case after case that says any means all of it. Then in red, up to date. The U.S. government has won in the Supreme Court on four occasions, arguing that the statutory terms any and any property are all inclusive unless the law provides for an exclusion of something from the item or class of thing, property, or matter to which said term applies. And look at all those sites on the appellate level from 2013, 2014, and 2015. It's unanimous. Everybody is citing uh, U.S. versus Gonzalez, 
and that's one of the four cases in the Supreme Court where the government won, arguing that the term any means all of it. It's a 1997 Supreme Court case. And then some of those cases are quoted right on up to January 2015, the U.S. versus Neal case. And yet, when you look at regulations under Section 83, the term amount paid refers to the value of any money or property paid. And they say, oh, no, 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 not any. It excludes labor. The regulation says any money or property. The regulation under Section 1012 says your cost is cash or other property. And it does not exclude any property. And so it means all property. They can't even talk. And yet, as you see there on this page of the website, wevgov.com, Section 83 applies to all compensation for services. It explains how to tax it. It governs the taxation of compensation. The IRS in 2007, Revenue Ruling 2007-19, Section 83 provides for the determination of what is to be included in gross income. And they don't train on it. They won't talk about it. They don't have an interpretation of it. And I knew I could get them in exactly this spot. Everybody heard me predict this all along, exactly what was going to happen. So the government has responded, motion to dismiss. Everything is frivolous. You know that, Your Honor. Whenever the citizen challenges the government, it's frivolous. Just dismiss this suit. And uh, very broadly, no particulars about the lawsuit. They didn't argue that the Administrative Procedures Act does not apply to the agency. And so, here we are. I wrote a rebuttal or an opposition to their motion, and they just now filed a uh, uh, response to the opposition and nowhere do you find an interpretation of Section 83 and so it's frivolous to ask the government to interpret the law. It's frivolous to ask not to be kept guessing as to whether or not you're going to be indicted. It's frivolous to think you're not willful and even though you've got a, a statement on file with three committees in Congress that says you don't believe you have a duty. It's frivolous. It's frivolous to ask the government not to slander you as a sovereign citizen or a tax protester when the government can't even interpret the law they say imposes a tax. Everything's frivolous. This is exactly where I told everybody the lawsuit would end up And the government has failed in precisely the ways I said it would. And they cited cases saying everything's frivolous and none of those cases dealt with any of the statutes relied upon. And in their documents, they didn't rely upon the cases where the courts have actually had to confront these issues. U.S. versus Warner, a criminal case in Alaska, 2008. 
and uh, they cited a bunch of cases that didn't even get into Section 83, and they didn't cite Talmadge versus Commissioner uh, in response to the Section 83 argument. And in response to the challenge to Regulation 1.1-1, where the guy said, I'm a citizen of the United States, this is just a regulation. The court agreed with the Department of Justice that he was claiming to be a non-resident alien. Well, if it's frivolous to claim to be a non-resident alien, so you better uh, agree to our allegation that you're a citizen of the United States. But when you do, you're still claiming to be a non-resident alien. So it's frivolous to claim you're a non-resident alien. And it's frivolous to claim that you're a citizen of the United States, not a non-resident alien, because that's claiming to be a non-resident alien. And the court subscribed to it. Well, the entire text of that argument and the court's decision is in my supplemental memorandum of August of last year. And they didn't cite that case as proof that uh, these arguments are mistaken because I've already done a review of that decision in the pleadings. Checkmate. So, uh, last time I'll say it on this call, the government can't refute these pleadings. These, per these two particular claims do all the heavy lifting, but there are two other claims the government did not address. 6201A says they can assess all taxes which have not been paid by stamp. That's foreign insurers and casinos, the 4300s and 4400s of the code. I don't really care who that is. I just know it's not me. And 7343. It's called a definition, but they enforce it as an inclusion because it says the term person includes. And so they say it applies to everybody that it doesn't even mention. Well, how can it be a definition then? I'm not arguing like the Patriot Movement does because I know more about interpretation than they do. You don't argue that the term includes is a term of limitation because then you're right up against 7701C that says includes and including when used in a definition in this title should not be deemed to exclude things normally within the term defined. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying the term includes doesn't make any difference whatsoever. It's called a definition. And so you can't enforce it as an inclusion, whether it uses includes or not. They can't talk. So we have the most complex title of law on the planet, our Title 26. There's a million different arguments against a million different things. I've chosen to argue statutory uh, language at the very root of the IRS's authority regarding the tax code to show that right at the foundation of their authority lie these enormous constraints. And the IRS should be in a closet in Washington, D.C. And yet, through these particular issues, they're all over America and they'll falsely indict you whenever they choose. So, I've proven again just as I predicted, that the statutory analysis in Codebreaker, my curriculum, uh, 
uh, are valid, and this is why the uh, one of the co-complainants to that complaint, an IRS uh, enrolled agent and self-employed accountant since 1973, he went through my entire treatise and verified all my findings. That's a solid analysis of the tax code. The single most uh, comprehensive, competent, and uh, thorough review and analysis of the differences between the tax code and the IRS ever conducted. So uh, where does it go from here? We'll have to wait and see what the court does. The government filed the motion to dismiss. The plaintiff filed the opposition. And now the government's responded to that. And there it sits. The record is barren again of any evidence that the government is following the law. And so the court, it's asked to declare that uh, we're not willful, are we? We're on record with sworn statements saying that we don't believe for one minute we have a duty and the government can't, uh, can't prove there is one. I don't think that's outrageous. I don't think it's frivolous. Why should somebody have to worry about whether or not they're going to be indicted? Uh, it, of course, it makes no sense, but it's profoundly oppressive to argue that an entire country should live in fear of their government indicting them when the government can't even prove there's a tax imposed. Wow, servant breath. Wow. Wow. But they have Assistant U.S. Attorney Aaron Gallagher to argue in favor of exactly that. An actual attorney for the government that believes to her core that you should live in fear of a government that can't even interpret the law. And they're asking the court to perpetuate that exact scenario. Wow. Wow, servant breath. Your salary is sure a high price to pay uh, for the the number that you're doing on us. They don't do a job for you. They do a number on you. So uh, what this does is it listen to all these calls in the archive and you'll hear me many times say that I know what my relationship is with government. I know what your relationship is with government. It's the same relationship you have with the person that will run up to your car with a pistol at the red light and carjack your car away from you. Same relationship. Same as the, the relationship you have with the person that would steal your identity and drain your bank account. Or hack your computer wirelessly and install a virus that encrypts all of your data so you can't use it until you pay them money. That's your relationship with government. Same thing. And now I've proven it again. May 20th, this lawsuit was filed. May June, July, August, September, four months, 120 days. 
and I've proven exactly what I said I would prove by orchestrating this uh, this attempt to review the IRS. The government can't talk. So if the court sustains the lawsuit and will not dismiss it, then the government's going to have to file an answer to the complaint. What are they going to do then? They're going to have to explain why the regulation 1.1-1 should be upheld as valid when the statute under which it's promulgated, tax code section 1, doesn't mention citizenship in any way. The entire section 1 of the tax code is on the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com about a quarter of the way down, the whole statute. Nowhere does it mention anybody's citizenship. And the whole statute, Section 1, is in the supplemental memorandum of August of last year. Everything is on the record. And they're going to have to explain why they can't put an interpretation of Section 83 on the record. That's awfully peculiar. And uh, Chris has uh, shared with everybody before that he found it really difficult for a long time to see in Section 83 what it was I was focusing upon to say only the excess over the amount paid is gross income and the amount paid is the value of any property, labor's property, its value is what its contract value is with an unrelated party, back to the statute. Only the excess over the value of the labor is gross income. All property is a cost. And so you can't mention Section 61A until you've proven Section 83 is operated. 61A is gross income. can't say that term yet. You have to start in Section 83 or you'll lose Section 83. Once your labor is included in gross income, you have violated Section 83. So don't say gross income. You start in Section 83 and you stay there until the government provides an explanation under that language as to how they got some of your compensation out of 83 into 61A gross income. You have to stand on that. Now, Lowell Beecraft does not have an alternative interpretation of Section 83. And you know how keen he is on... uh, blowing the Patriot movement out of the water. Hmm. Fancy that. America's top licensed tax analysis, or tax analyst, Lowell B. Kraft. By license, I mean uh, license to practice law. I'm the top unlicensed analyst. And there are many people uh, above Pete Hendrickson who claims to be the best tax lawyer to ever come along. He's lying. And I wish somebody would con him into a debate with me. I really do. Uh, He looks right at Section 83 in the case law that says, it applies to everything. He says, no, it's irrelevant. Well, you don't have that choice. And first first and foremost... Lowell Beecraft doesn't say that you don't have a choice. On um, 
my YouTube channel, looking at wevgov.com in the upper left of the menu column, you see a link that says YouTube 2. It'll take you to my uh, seminar page. And right there, there's a recording, one hour, 45 minutes of me on Larry B. Craft's radio show. And listen to how much he has to say about Section 83. Nada. Nothing. So, uh, even America's top tax lawyer and uh, tax analyst is uh, without comment. And you know that if he had an alternative argument, if he thought I was wrong, he'd have come out and said so. And so, I got a an issue. The tax must be imposed by clear language. Here's all the case law that says so. Or the taxpayer wins. And here's the case law that says the determination of tax liability has to result from the consideration of all relevant facts and statutes. Here's the void for vagueness doctrine where all these cases say that if the uh, language of the penal statute is unclear, it violates the void for vagueness doctrine to prosecute somebody under them. All of this case law, everything I do is based on case law and statute, just like they all told me I was supposed to do it. And I beat them at the game because the law is perfect. The tax code's just fine. Well, we just have to pass it to find out what's in it, like the health care bill. The tax code was accepted. I'm not saying it was passed by Congress. Congress didn't write it. But who knows what's in it? Nobody. And it's a secret. And I got to the bottom of it. And this is what it means. This is what it says. This is what the IRS cannot do. And when it's thrown into court and uh, specifically articulated against the government in favor of statutory language, the government folds up like a cheap suit and can't talk. And you just watched me do it again. In exactly the way I predicted, listen to the calls after May 20th in this archive here at American Liberties, 87488. And you'll hear me predict that this is exactly how it was going to go because they can't afford to talk about the law. So I've beaten them with the law. And no one else can do that. No one else has done it. And uh, did it without attorneys. I never even told Beecraft that this lawsuit was filed. Uh, I think Bob Hurt might have known, and he's close to Beecraft, but nobody has an alternative explanation to these issues, and yet they sit back and they're silent. I can't even get a... I got a slight recommendation from Bob Hurt to his group, the lawman group, that they get my book on Section 83, but no one's got the time to get into my findings uh, long enough to say that I'm correct. No matter what I do, everybody in this game refuses to look. And yet, here I am, able to do this to the government with 
two very specific issues. I'm obviously not the citizen in Social Security chapters, so we can we can cross that off the list, right, Your Honor? Now I'm left only with Chapter 1. I'm only named in a regulation. I'm a citizen of the United States. There goes the whole tax code. There goes the whole tax code. Did you hear how simple it was? If I'm a citizen of the United States like they say I am, then I know I'm not Chapters 2, 21, and 23, which leaves just Chapter 1. And citizens of the United States are only named in a regulation in violation of the 16th Amendment that says Congress can lay and collect this tax. Do you have a statute? No? There goes the whole tax code with one argument. The whole tax code doesn't apply to American individuals. And I just did it again. They can't talk. Now they've gone on record with a motion to dismiss that didn't dispel any of the issues that are statutory arguments. Then an opposition was filed to alert the court to that very thing, which I'm sure it could see. And then they file a response to that opposition and still don't get to interpreting the law. So the court, I feel, is 70 to 85% prone to dismiss the lawsuit. So a lot of it depends on the judge. And... uh if the judge wants to see the government get out from underneath these, they'll sustain the lawsuit, saying, yeah, I'd like to see an answer to some of these. Motion to dismiss is denied. The suit moves forward. And then the government will have to file an answer and explain why somebody that has a statutory argument is a sovereign citizen. When in fact, they are bona fide whistleblowers. Now, the government explained why we should be forced to guess as to the meaning of the law under threat of indictment when the government can't interpret the law at all, refuses to, despite the Taxpayer's Bill of Rights that says they're supposed to communicate the requirements of the law to the public. Wowee. It's... It's a very involved effort. Uh, The analysis was exhaustive and profoundly technical. The briefing is meticulous, methodical, uh, very well thought out, and technically set forth for the court so that it does boil down to precisely these points And once it is boiled down to precisely these points, everything gets really simple. See what I just did? I cleared away all the smoke, took away all the mirrors, and broke it down to exactly these points and thrust them at the government. And it's like jurisprudential kryptonite. You heard it here first. And... All they can do is run from it. 
to a crook, it's radioactive. And uh, did it again, just like I said I would. Now it's come full circle, so I can, you know, brag to that extent that I knew I could do it. Everybody just watched me do it, and there's nothing the government can say about it. And now it's a matter of whether or not the judge, uh, this without smoke and mirrors, there's no smoke or mirrors for the court to hide in or behind. And so the court is just as exposed and prone as is uh, the Department of Justice. Because they can see that the government has no denial of these issues that spring right from, you know, hundreds of Supreme Court cases that uh, I've used to underscore these arguments. So it does come down to points exactly this simple. And this judge has never seen anything like it. And he has seen the government fail miserably under the weight of very specific challenges that happened to pull the rug out from underneath the entire tax scheme called 26 USC. So uh, who knows where it'll go from here. And if I'm able to do this to the tax code, you can imagine what I do to the uh, criminal code in the courses that you see available on the products page of wevgov.com. You simply have to get my materials, folks. Uh, You don't hear us solicit donations. We could really use the money. Make no mistake about it. But I'd rather that you bought my materials to support me. Uh, Why give me money when you can get materials? Purchase the materials. If you want to contribute more than the cost of the materials, we're open to it. Get a hold of Chris at AmericanLiberties.LLC at gmail.com. Chris will type that into the chat. Uh, You see I'm not on the the talk shoe uh, chat window. Take from Caesar, Volumes 1 and Volume 2. Um, it contains all the briefings. It contains a uh, an appellate brief, the way I would write it if I were appealing these issues onto a circuit court from U.S. District Court for a uh, guilty verdict in a tax case for tax evasion. Uh, That was filed into the appellate court by a guy who had an attorney appointed to him. And so the court said, you have an attorney. We aren't going to accept this. And he says, it's on record whether you accept it or not. And you have to find jurisdiction, sua sponte, meaning on your own. And so examine these issues just to make sure that your examination of the law for proof of jurisdiction includes Section 83 and the fact I'm only named in regulation sit on it and twist. So uh, his attorney made some other arguments that he thinks might get his sentence reduced. And if so, um, that's going back to the district court and he won't be appealing to the Supreme Court as we originally had planned. Uh, That's what I was hired for. 
Then you got Codebreaker, the Section 83. Well, actually, Volume 1 is the criminal complaint that went to Congress in a bound book. And Volume 2 is the supplemental memorandums and the uh, circuit court briefing of these issues on a uh, hypothetical appeal. Codebreaker, the Section 83 equation. I wrote the book in 1994 and a year and a half ago added 30 pages to it and published it to bring it up to speed. It'll tell you everything you need to know and not one thing you don't need to know about tax code Section 83. And I'm the only one in the known universe that's teaching it. Codebreaker videos on flash drive, three hours, 45 minutes of instruction, seven segments. You've got to get the videos. Uh, so you can, if, you know, you read a tax brief, the eyes will roll back in your head. It'll give you a headache. You'll have to, you'll have to take a nap after you read it. It's such a drain. But if you want to see somebody stand at a whiteboard and explain these things to you, uh, get the video. And uh, on the products page, there's three links that say testimonial under the Codebreaker videos. Listen to those audio recordings of three people say what their impression of these videos are. Uh, one person said, I got the videos. You have the sharpest mind I've ever witnessed. Well, you watch what the Patriot Movement offers, as this person does and has, sees my videos and goes, holy smoke. This is it. Get the videos on flash drive. Uh, they'll amaze you how I can stand at the whiteboard and explain this much about the tax code to arrive at very baseline com conclusions about limited authority. Uh, it amazes me that I was able to teach those the way I taught those on that those 2003 presentations, maybe 2002, maybe 2003, I can't do those seminars again as well as I did them. How to write and file citizens' criminal complaints. You get a bunch of examples in Microsoft Word, and I think there's uh, like 10 hours of audio instruction. Uh, you buy that course, you open the folder on your computer, and you open up the file that says open this first or click here first and it opens up like a website right on your computer. And there's state and federal criminal complaints for examples and I never got any respect until I write uh, until I wrote and filed criminal complaints against public servants. Then I got respect. Then you see drive-by litigation, retaliatory litigation to prepare to sue a municipality. Wonderful course. The meanest I can be on paper using the system against uh, the executive branch and the judicial branch when they abuse their authority. That means uh, in defense of innocence, this situation here that you can create by using criminal complaints, uh, complaint for damages against the municipality, you set them up in a way that makes it easy to sue them. So in a five-phase process, you follow phases one, two, three, and four to set things up so a lawyer finds it easy to execute number five, which is suing them in U.S. District Court for a violation of rights. You don't have to use all five phases. As I explained in this seminar, uh, there's 
I think there's two different presentations of this seminar in audio. Uh, 10 hours of audio instruction. It says, course includes 10 hours of audio instruction. That's two days worth uh, of full weekend audio instruction about the documents in Microsoft Word. Yeah, I'll get to the questions in a minute. Um, then go to traffic court. The next course, how to join the traffic complaint. Uh, that Kurt Reagan and I filed with the U.S. Department of Justice and Congress March 9th of 06 that shows the enforcement of the tax code is invalid. It constitutes racketeering and extortion because the motor vehicle code has never been written to apply to anything but those who use the streets for public or for uh, commerce. And when this is injected into traffic hearings, the way this course teaches you to do it, uh, typically the court will instruct the officer not to appear at the hearing so they can dismiss the traffic ticket and not get into the topic of public vehicular travel. And just for kicks, I'm going to go to the Motor Vehicle Code page here on wevgov.com. Near the top of the page, you see four search engines. I click on Google open as a matter of right to public vehicular travel, and I get 3.26 million hits. It's in the law from coast to coast. So uh, right in this array of educational materials, you have nothing but baseline conclusions about the very essence of authority for the tax code, the motor vehicle code, and on the state income taxation page, you see that state by state as time goes on people come to me and they say I live in such and such a state uh, what do you think about my state's law and I've got a whole bunch of them filled in there where state income tax statutes say if you don't if you owe a federal liability you owe a state liability well what if I can prove I don't owe a federal liability that pretty much kills state liability doesn't it so you want to look at what states are already done there and again uh, we accept donations, of course, but uh, I hope you already have all of my materials or I hope the amount is over the cost of my materials because I'd rather not get a freebie. Uh, buy the materials. That's the way to support us. And, uh, and tell the people that you know that are in the Patriot Movement, feel free to go on to any blogs or chats and uh, and share with people your opinion of my materials. And uh, you already know that I was able to take this lawsuit up against the government, and bingo. Everything happened exactly the way I said it would. And now it's up to the judge as to whether or not they're going to sustain the lawsuit and let it go forward. Okay, a couple of your questions. Seems like they are trying to set a false precedence. That's all they can do. That's all they do. And so, of course, that's exactly what I predicted. I just didn't put it in those terms. Uh, what was the date of cutoff for mailing the last response for the plaintiffs? Uh, it's pretty much transpired. When the government files a motion to dismiss, you got two weeks to reply, and then they reply in the following week. So, and thank you, uh, Dallas Richard for uh, urging everybody to 
Get it on. I think Get her the, done. I, I think the second question, Dave, was, uh, you know, when uh, uh, I think we didn't answer by aff- affidavits uh, a little bit longer than two weeks, and they're concerned they were dropped out. Uh, is, is that a concern to consider? Well, the uh, motion to dismiss has not been decided yet. I would say right up until the court actually issues a decision on the motion to dismiss, you can join that motion to dismiss. So get a hold of Chris. Uh, he'll give you his email address and get a hold of him, AmericanLiberties.LLC at Gmail. And uh, he'll line you up with uh, your joinder. And uh, uh, we'll get you, if you haven't joined con- the congressional complaint, of course, that's first. And uh, we'll join you to that and then join you to the lawsuit. Uh, the time is now to do that uh, because as soon as they issue a decision dismissing this lawsuit, there's no recourse, there's nothing to join. But anybody that joins it before they dismiss the lawsuit, you'll have the right to say, I sued the United States for proof that it uh, applies to Americans and they can't even deny it. So it's a joinder to the congressional complaint and then a joinder to the lawsuit and opposition to the motion to dismiss. And then you're on record like everybody else is, and uh, yada, yada, yada. You know, I'd like to add, you know, the uh, I've been watching the news uh, to see what's going on with, you know, Trump and the gang and all that. And, you know, and lately there's been a lot of cop shootings, and, and and that's sad to me because, I mean, there are police officers out there that want to do a good job, and there are bad ones, okay? And we got to go after the individuals, not, you know, because they wear a uniform, all cops are bad. Um, but I don't want to get into that one, but uh, the you see these groups, because of all the the craziness is going on in the world today you got groups like black lives don't matter that don't have an agenda they don't have any you know any substance to their radical craziness they just want they just want to yell scream and and do hateful things and look at the attention they're getting and this is my point Look at the attention they're getting. They're marching up and down the streets there, you know, with signs, banners, and all this. And, and you know, and here we have substance. We have an agenda. We have something that we can hold in our hands and, and, show, the, and show whoever is willing to listen and 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 the reason I'm saying this, there was a um, Fox News. There was a, a report. Uh, you know, one of the people were talking said the government only responds to pressure. The Congress, you know, congressmen only respond uh, only respond to pressure. And this is my thing with the crowdfunding and these other uh, uh, home-based business that I'm doing is I'm trying to raise money. So, you know, because money talks, everything else walks. And so when you have more than enough money to do advertising and do promotions and do this, you know, I can picture like you, you Rick, in, in South Carolina, you, Richard, in Texas, and, 
and other people getting hundreds of people going down to your local senator or congressman or your your local legislature and say, look, here is the law. Nobody, you know, here's the interpretation and everybody's ignoring it. Why are you letting this happen? Because you, you guys are the ones that make the law. You're the guys that pass the law. And they're not, and, and the executive branch is making their own interpretations and no, and nobody's is rebutting it except for us. And nobody's listening. And so it's your job, if you want your job next year or next election, to do this job. And if we can do this around the country, I can tell you, folks, we can make a difference. If 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 uh, Black Lives Matter can raise all kind of hell up and down the streets across this nation, if, if, if the gay faggots can go up and down the streets and cause the Supreme Court to rule that gay marriages is legal, I mean, you know, give me a break. And all we're doing is just yada yada yada. We're doing the best we can. Now I'm not I'm not scolding anybody's doing it, but we need to do more. We need to push. We need to push the envelope. We need to, like David says, go on the blogs. Go on. Talk to your friends. Talk to emails. Send them to wevgov.com. Invite them to the call when when talk show works properly. And and if anybody has a derogatory comment, you know what to tell him. Give me your memorandum that proves these findings wrong. The government can't even do that. So if you throw stones at these arguments, you're the best tax attorney the world has ever known. I want to see your memorandum. You give me your own explanation of Section 83. Or go look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you don't have a patriotic bone in your body because the IRS has been exposed. I just did it again, and anybody that has a stone to throw it in my direction, it has to take the shape of a memorandum to the contrary, period. That's why I did it the way I did it. It's based on law, the way the Supreme Court says you have to, the way all the courts say you have to. Brief your issue, submit it to the court. That's what I've done. And all these people, you know, they're incapable of writing a brief. A lot of them can't really even type. And so they're out of the game. And anything they throw my direction is based squarely upon ignorance. Go ahead, Chris. Well, and and, and you see, and the thing of it is, when you join the criminal complaint that was sent to Congress, especially that one, okay, because that, you know, that that worked for Chris Chapman. That worked for me. And and, and let me tell you, folks, I don't really uh, push anything that I don't feel that is legitimate, credible, and and has substance. Uh, and and you know and and sometimes I make mistakes and I you know and I make a bad ju- judgment. You know if nobody's on if anybody's on this call and never done that, then please speak up. But, you know, at least I try and I try hard. And I think that, you know, when you join the criminal complaint and, and like uh, the one questionnaire, who do I send it to? Uh, what uh, the DOJ? Let me see. I, I answered it in writing, but uh, let me see. Uh, oh, I'm on the joiner. Hold on a second. 
I'm on the joiner. Should I get it mailed uh, to the DOJ, uh, Department of Justice? Yes, you can do it in your local county or district. Uh, right, you know, due due to the uh, state attorney there or the U.S. Uh, uh, or or you can wait until the Department of Justice contacts you. Um, it's not that you have to tell everybody right away. That's your decision. If you think it's going to raise a red flag on your name to serve the, the Department of Justice with it, uh, you might decide against serving the DOJ with it. If the IRS is not bothering you at this time, you might choose not to do it. Because we now know that the government thinks you should be kept in the dark regarding the law. We just proved it again with this lawsuit. So if you don't want contact with the government, you at least will have proof that you're in contact with Congress. And um, once you're on record with Congress, uh, contact your senator and congressman first and say, how does Section 83 operate in your conclusion I owe this tax? The IRS is silent. And uh, you could go that way, or if you wanted to confront them all right away, you can do it that way. It's always your choice. But I feel anybody that says you owe a tax should be confronted with this briefing. And guest eight says, if dismissed, what will that mean for everyone else, meaning all Americans who want to take a stand on rights? It'll mean the same thing that all my materials have always meant because nobody's bothered to pick them up and really push the issue except the chosen few uh, to whom I owe my thanks. But all it means is that there's a group of arguments that the government still runs from. But it's not going to rub off on anybody else. You have to become a part of the action for them to deem you to be in the action. If you're not in the action, they know they can do what they want to you. And uh, so it's not going to affect their standard operating procedure in any way other than it as it relates to an individual that raises these issues because they will take your money even if they have to steal it. And all I've directed this at is preventing an indictment. That's all I've done. So if you've done this and uh, you think you might be indicted, that's the point at which I'd start serving the DOJ and the local grand jury and the local chief judge of the U.S. District Court so that they know if an action comes up with your name on it, it's a false one that they're using the court for a uh, uh, for, uh, criminal gains. Okay, and guest seven says, I mailed my affidavit on 9-3, which should have it by now. Uh, I'll let you know if they have let you, I will let you know how they respond. If they send it back, how should I respond back? Uh, guest seven, is that regarding the lawsuit is going in South Dakota, which I'm assuming it is? No, you don't really have to answer back. I don't think they'll send it back. Uh, you know, they'll they'll file it regardless. Um, the, you know, I mean, I, I, again, I could be wrong, but uh, they'll they'll generally file it. And let the, uh, yes, okay, guest seven says yes. 
No, they uh, uh, they won't send it back. They'll they'll still uh, file it, and if, even if it's out, you know, beyond the date, which it does. In my mind, Dave, and you correct me wrong, it's an affidavit that they support the lawsuit. It doesn't really matter if it's beyond the filing time limit timetable limit or not. Is it, there's I no right? there's no filing time limit on the affidavit of joinder. Okay, right. If it's okay. before they dismiss the case, then there you go. Okay, um, if Judge dismisses our case, haven't my due process rights been violated? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, the you know, one of the well, I, I said in the beginning of the call is the government. Does you know just throws a bunch of stuff out there, and they want you to argue all this stuff to get you off point. And Dave's response was to bring them back to focus here. Hey, look, all I want them to do is just give their own interpretation of of what was in the original complaint. You know, which he, they failed to do so, and he repeated himself just like they repeated themselves. In, in their answer, oh, it's frivolous and, you know, this and this and this and that and, and a whole bit. And, uh, you know, the and, and even even in the uh, in the government's response, they said that uh, against the agent, he should be dismissed from the lawsuit because the courts don't have personal jurisdiction. Well, wait a minute. The agent is the one that started this whole thing. You know, I mean, he's the one that's coming after Hyberson. So in, in, in order for that to, uh, how can they dismiss the guy who started the problem? It'd be like a guy shooting somebody and saying, well, he shouldn't be, you know, the courts don't have jurisdiction over him. He should be dismissed. The you know the guy it, it, it shot it shot the guy you know I mean it's ridiculous so I mean this is what the government does all we got to do is find a judge that has just a little an ounce of integrity just an ounce because again we're pro se we're not held to the standards but even though the the writing is is beyond the standards of most lawyers or any lawyer that I know of uh they they still have to give a little lean way whether they do or not will be determined all right guess 8 thanks dave if someone has not been able to have made the deadline to join the lawsuit if if they buy your materials are they saying that they uh Okay, let's see. They he they could use your material brief to enter in their own tax case or garnishment issues. That's civil. Good luck. Yeah. Um, I couldn't even get anywhere with this very direct action under the Administrative Procedures Act. So. Um, you know, you can only do what you can do. Every judge is as corrupt as the day is long. I hope they're listening. Uh, everything the government does is fine. The judges are corrupt. So I can't answer you. 
but yes, you you can use the material. You can use the uh, the joiner. I mean, yeah, the complaint, the joiner, the whole bit. And you can, and, you know, and, and what I would suggest is that you stay on point and, uh, again, excuse me, we just need to come together. I mean, if, if more people start doing this, more people get involved. There were people that, I mean, I already met one guy in, out of Utah that is a pretty sharp guy on, on uh, tax court. And, and how to proceed and how to stop them by using the government's own using the government as a, as our witness. I mean it's I mean it's it's really unique and um, and and he pointed it out using the government accountability office because they have said repeatedly since 1992 that the paperwork coming from the IRS is not trustworthy, unreliable, and is not secure. So that means another, not secure means that anybody can go in and just punch any numbers they want, and boom, chop, bop, bam, the paper comes out, and, and we have a right to question the integrity of the document. And, you know, yeah, and who, all, all, that, all that shows is that there's a million different arguments. And uh, it's not a statutory argument. It's a burden of proof argument. That's a, a procedural due process argument and not a statutory argument. However uh, valid it might be, um, you know, there's a, there's a million different arguments. Yep. And what, once you're part of this lawsuit, you're on the statutory arguments. But and beyond this, beyond this, you'll have this docket number to cite as proof that they can't deny a thing. Well, why don't we wrap this up, Chris? Okay, very good. Yes, 10 after ten after 8. Okay, there, wait a minute. Uh, the point is the due process rights have still been violated, yes. Can't I take this case to my local federal court and open a court of records and demand relief for constitutional rights violation? Um, I would say no. Um uh, I, I would say I would say you write a criminal complaint, swear to it, and put all this evidence behind it, and file it with the chief judge of that court under 18 U.S.C. 4. There, you've opened up a record. There you go. The uh, because if you try, you know, the only the only constitutional thing you have is the 16th Amendment, where Congress has the power to lay tax. That means they have to make a statute. And that and that goes right into David's argument. Okay, his his uh, uh, his uh, his argument about about I'm not named named in the statutes. I was looking for a word. I can't think of it. Which judge? The federal judge. Any judge. You you, you said you want to open a court. A court case, you just open a court case, but send it to, you know what I did? This, this, this is what I did. I sent it to the chief judge, and and in that, I sent I made other copies with other envelopes naming other judges. So it was about six or seven judges, and I sent it to the clerk of the court. And, and, I, and, I, and I did a, a instructions for the clerk of the court to take each addressed 
envelope and give it to the judge that it's addressed to. And each was a copy of my joinder that that went to each and every judge, not knowing that ever I was going to get um, indicted. Of course, I was being investigated, but I was ho- hoping it just you know go away. Well, it didn't. They they indict they tried to indict me. They they asked me to go in front of a grand jury, and I said, well, of course, you know, I can't wait. Let's go. And so when I went. I gave it to him. Then they, then the lawyer lied and said that I refused to do the exemplars because, you know, after I was through making my presentment and it was obvious the government wasn't going to answer the, what I, the questions I raised in front of the grand jury. So the, the, the lawyer says, okay, now you agreed to do the exemplars. I said, well, you know, we're waiting on an answer here. And he told me to go home. Then he lies to the uh, judge and says, I refuse to do it. Then the judge tried to intimidate me, and I'm making a long story short. You can hear it all recorded on, uh, on WeVGov.com. The, uh, I asked the judge, I said, Judge, on, on two different occasions, I sent you a copy of the criminal complaint that I sent to Congress. You seem to ignore that, but become complicit to their criminal activity. I just put her on notice that she is now in violation of Title 18, Section 3, which is just before 4, making her complicit to the criminal activity. It was like I threw ice water on her. So this is the kind of posture you got to have. you got to know when you're right and do what is right, in order to get your rights done. And and, and will it work 100%? Nobody knows. You say local. What would, would that be your state? You know, I mean, when I say local, I mean, we're talking a federal court here, and, and every, every county, well, not every county has a federal courthouse, but every county is in a district, in, in a federal district, where there's a courthouse close by, whether a county or two away or not, you know. So that that's what I mean. If you got state problems, yeah, you could send. You know, if your if your complaint consists of, uh, uh, oh, you're answering guest seven. Um, the uh, but I do want to say if your complaint is like state taxes as well, because state taxes is depending on the federal tax, then, uh, yes, you can send it to your local uh, state judge as well. Okay, with that being said, um, I'd like to thank everybody coming to the call. Look for uh, Saturday's call coming up. We have a call tomorrow night about OneCoin, which I'll be sending an email out about that. And crowdfunding is always a way to help everybody help each other, and everybody helps each other will help will get help themselves. And if you want more information about that, please let me know. It, it is going bazonkers right now, and uh, in fact, it's going so fast that is tying up the money a little bit because they can't get enough processors. So they're bringing on more processors to, you know, to give, to give out debit cards and all that. And so 
with that being said, um, give me a call, okay? Um, so God bless America, and this call's officially over. Thanks, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.